Today, I wanted to talk about how religion has impacted my life, and it's not in the ways you probably think. You see, four years ago, I left a religious cult. I think when most of us think of cults, we think of a small, insular group of believers founded on crazy ideas. We imagine people who leave normal, civilized culture to live on some compound in the middle of nowhere. People who dress differently, they talk differently, they relate differently, they're fanatics. We want to believe that we're immune to such fanaticism and strangeness and that if a cult ever came knocking on our door, we'd recognize the fact immediately and protect ourselves from the mind and life control that comes from such organizations. But I believe that like me, many of us are born into mainstream cults and don't even realize it because it's the only reality we've ever known. My story today is about that reality and how I awakened to the control I was experiencing and the process of leaving that behind. I was born in rural Texas to a mother who was looking for answers and belonging. And one day when the Mormon missionaries knocked on her door, they were able to deliver answers that made sense to her and gave her hope for the belonging she had been seeking. So she listened. Eventually listening turned into joining. I began my church attendance in a tiny trailer house on a big plot of ranch land with other people who were also seeking answers and belonging. These people became my extended family. They babysat me and mothered me. Their kids became my close friends. They taught me with patience. They disciplined me. They brought us meals when we were sick and they helped us rebuild our house after a fire. I loved my childhood among these people. I remember Christmas potlucks and talent shows where as a young girl, I was encouraged to sing and perform. I watched my mother sew costumes for a traveling play the congregation produced. We baked cookies in the kitchen as giggling girls with our leaders. We gathered in the parking lot for barbecues. We would head to the river as teens to float on inner tubes or splash in the shallows. But by increments, as we were enjoying 4th of July parties and youth dances, we were also consuming small doses of shame and fear each week. In the pews each Sunday, I was being told that my human nature was carnal, devilish, and sinful. That without the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, I was doomed to be an enemy of God. I was taught that God couldn't tolerate me because of my imperfection and that I needed to be vigilant and repent if I ever hoped to return and live in God's presence again someday. I became hypervigilant of my perceived sins because if I didn't repent of everything, even the smallest errant thought or white lie, that I'd be unfit to live with my family forever in God's presence. I would be allocated to a lower, less glorified kingdom where God would never see me again. I was taught to be ashamed of my female body. I was taught that my budding curves were tempting and sinful for my fellow man. And it was my responsibility to cover them up so I didn't accidentally become walking pornography and cause men in my congregation to have dirty thoughts and stumble before God. I began to wear baggy layers and to be conscious and obsessive about my body and how it might be perceived by men. I was taught that my highest and really my only purpose was to become a good wife and bear as many children as I could unto the Lord. I was told my talents and my aspirations were best spent being poured into the next generation. 
I was often reminded that even my college education wasn't really for me, but for the benefit of my children. My job was to lose myself in the service of my family and my church and do it all with a smile on my face. I should never be weary in well-doing, even when it came at the expense of my own needs, desires, and aspirations. I was taught to question my own intuition and wisdom, always checking it against the wisdom of white male octogenarians that led our organization and their interpretations of scripture. If my thinking didn't fall in alignment with what they were teaching, I was wrong. And I needed to pray for understanding and enlightenment until my thinking matched up with theirs. As I got older, the pressure became greater to conform to the standards the church set up. It was no longer just about community and family while learning to be good people. It was about being as obedient and loyal to the organization as possible to prove my worthiness. The harder I tried to be a good Mormon girl, the more I lost the ability to really trust anything I thought or felt. In fact, over time, I lost touch with myself almost completely. I no longer knew who I was authentically, what I really thought or valued or wanted. The box of what was acceptable closed in around me until only a tiny portion of me was allowed. All the rest were attributes I put on in order to fit in with the group. All of this came crashing down around me when I was 30 years old. I was diagnosed with clinical depression. The shame messages I had picked up at church metastasized into full-blown self-loathing. While on the outside, I looked like the perfect Mormon woman. Inside, I knew and loathed my imperfection. On the outside, I looked happy to obey and serve, but inside I was resentful and tired. I knew that I often felt inexplicably embarrassed and angry about my dissident thoughts and feelings. My therapist was able to help me realize that my self-loathing stemmed from the idea that I believed I had to perfect and perform to be worthy of love and belonging. But really, I was already worthy exactly as I am. That because I'm a unique expression of humanity, beautiful in my complexity and even in my contradiction, I am worthy. He taught me I didn't have to hustle for love or acceptance, that I was allowed to simply exist and accept love into my life. As I learned to feel all of my emotions, even the taboo ones like anger and feel and fear, I began to get back in touch with myself. I could more clearly hear my own values, my own beliefs, my own wisdom. Slowly over time, as I got emotionally and mentally healthier, small pieces of my Mormon armor began to fall off. As I shed the shame I was swimming in and learned to love who I authentically am, I was able to better hear and empathize with others. I could hear the stories of people I had marginalized or judged I could hold space for their pain and honestly look at my contribution to that pain. I could be accountable and apologize. Because I was allowed to be a full human, capable of both goodness and harm, and lovable throughout the whole mess, I could tolerate putting myself into someone else's shoes for the first time. I could hear conflicting opinions with tolerance. I could find compassion for those who had different life experiences than me. And I realized that my religion didn't tolerate that kind of thinking. There was only one right way to think, believe, act, dress, and be in the world. And these marginalized people didn't fit into their plan. 
if I was honest with myself, I didn't fit into their plan. The longer I considered it, the more I realized maybe I never really had. I wasn't a one-size-fits-all kind of a girl. There was no great plan of happiness that had been made for all mankind that would tailor-fit my personality or my life. There was no room in that box for an outspoken, intellectual activist of a woman who liked to hear the stories and pain of the marginalized and teach others what she learned. I had contorted myself into the Mormon box, but it had never been a comfortable fit. And as I grew, it became next to impossible to stay in the box anymore. I busted out in April of 2017 and almost immediately lost the entire community of people I had once considered family. No one came right out and shunned me, but I was considered dangerous. People ran from me, literally ran from me at the grocery store. Others whispered rumors behind my back. We were considered no longer safe to hang out with on the weekends. Those that did call did so to tell us how sad they were for us and our choices. As painful as it was to lose so much, I also gained so much. I learned that I can rely on myself. Even when life is incredibly difficult, I know the way to go and I can trust myself to problem solve until I find solutions that work for me in my life. I learned that even when others completely misunderstand me and think poorly of me, I can still find belonging and worthiness inside of myself. I learned that my worth isn't dependent on other people's opinions, but on my own. I've deepened my friendship with the authentic me, and I can honestly say I've never felt more love for who I am. And from this love, I found a sense of drive and purpose in the world to help others on this journey. Deconstruction can be so lonely and confusing, but my love for the marginalized has helped me to make a difference for others leaving high-demand religion. My work now revolves around being able to guide others through the process with greater love for themselves and confidence in their inner wisdom. Losing my religious identity and my church community was the greatest loss I've ever endured. It was truly excruciating to dis disentangle myself from something that had been so important and that had been such a fundamental part of my identity. But it was also the greatest gift I've ever given myself.